Coming up next on the Wet Fly Swing Podcast. Man, like Lemieux's right up there for sure. You know, he's a big six foot five, but the finesse he had and huge man. But, you know, in, in today's game, I mean, I think there's a guy playing now that could alter all of this. He's actually playing in Edmonton and his name's Connor McDavid. And uh, he is, uh, he's a freak of nature. He is um, not big, but how fast he is. I mean, the game is fast, but he has another level of fast. That was Brandon Morrison talking about some of the great hockey players of all time. The real West Coast, the horsefly strain, and his professional hockey career today on The Swing. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how's it going today? Thanks for stopping by the show. We are still looking to fill a few spots for the Stillwater School. Uh, Brennan talks about this today. He made a trip up there on the real west coast. Uh, we will probably put a link in the show notes to that uh, video. He's got a couple out there, but we've got a, a few slots left. So if you want to head over to wetflyswing.com slash trips, T-R-I-P-S, just enter your name and email, and we'll follow up with you on uh, to let you know what we have left. And then hope to see you on the water for some still water goodness at Northern Lights Lodge. Today's episode is sponsored by Range Meal Bars. Each bar is 700 calories and fits easily into the pocket of your backpack, vest, or wherever you need. Range Bars are made using only the highest quality gluten-free ingredients and they are the most convenient and compact way to get out the door and on the river. You can support this podcast and a great local company right now by heading over to wetflyswing.com slash range. That's R-A-N-G-E. Range Meal Bars, a legitimate meal in your pocket. Today's episode is sponsored by Stonefly Nets, who is putting quality before quantity with their handcrafted custom wood landing nets. When Ethan designs your net, it's his hope and goal to help you form lasting memories every time you're on the water. You can head over to wetflyswing.com slash stonefly right now to get started. That's S-T-O-N-E-F-L-Y. You support this podcast by clicking through that link to Stonefly online. Brandon Morrison shares his story of becoming a professional hockey player and how his love of fly fishing and fishing came to be. Brandon shares the story of the winning goal that he made that helped uh, push Michigan to the uh, national championship. This is amazing. Uh, story and a goal and we'll put a hopefully a video of that highlight in the show notes as well uh, we also find out where some of his favorite uh, real west coast uh destination episodes have been we dig into that a little bit and where he's heading next and we also uh, get an answer to a funny question vancouver or calgary if you're a hockey fan you might know what i'm talking about but, uh, we get brendan's choice so uh, this one is for all my friends north of the border I've always been a huge sports fan, so excited to jump into this today. Here we go. Brendan Morrison from realwestcoastfishing.com. How are you doing, Brendan? I'm doing great, Dave. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming on here. We're going to dig into a little bit of what you have going with your uh, your program. You've got the Real West Coast uh, TV show, which is awesome. You you dig into a lot of everything in fishing and and you have uh, some great fly fishing. I remember the last one I saw you had, I think it was the most recent fly fishing. You're out there with the spay, learning to spay, right? And you're going for uh, out there. I think, where was that? Was that up on the uh, on the Skeena? Yeah, it was on the Skeena, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, we're going to dig into that, your program, but you also uh, have a professional hockey background, which is pretty amazing. We'll touch on that as well today. 
Um, but let's start with fly fishing. How did you get into fly fishing first? Then we'll take it in the TV show. Yeah. So the fly fishing for me was, I guess I was a little bit of a late starter with the fly fishing. Um, you know, my first memories of fishing were kind of with my grandfather at a trout farm when I was seven years old, but you know, fast forward to my, my teenage years and, um, it was actually kind of coincides a little bit with, with hockey here. It was my draft year and I was talking to different NHL teams and they would come and interview you and, you know, just try to get a feel of, of certain prospects and if they'd be a fit for, for their organization. And one of my interviews I had, I was playing junior hockey in Penticton at the time for the Penticton Panthers. And this was back in 92, 93. And I had a, a scout from the Chicago Blackhawks, Sean Deneen, uh, you know, come to talk to me. And he said, Hey, do you want to go fishing? I said, I love fishing. Yeah, this would be, this would be great. So he said, okay, we're going to, I know a couple, um, you know, a couple streams and, and, uh, some rivers, you know, a short drive from here and we'll go fly fishing. And I said, well, you know, I've never fly fished before. And he said, oh, you're going to, you're going to love it. So that was kind of my introduction to fly fishing. I was 17 years old was, uh, was the first wow. time. And, and actually uh, caught a couple of fish that day on dry flies. And I was like, this is, this is phenomenal. Like, to, to actually, you know, see takes on the surface. And I was hooked right away. There you go. And where were you guys? Was that in the uh, U.S. or in the Canada where you guys were fishing? That was up in Canada. So just just outside of Penticton and uh, okay. so kind of in, in the Okanagan area. And there's a bunch of, you know, great stillwater fishing there. But there are some nice little rivers and and uh, and uh, streams as well. And we just hit a couple kind of back, kind of hidden streams, really. Yeah. There you go. And, and you are from originally, are you from uh, B.C.? Yeah, yeah, I grew up in the lower mainland uh, of British Columbia, uh, in Pitt Meadows. It's a smaller town, uh, about an hour outside of Vancouver, kind of northeast of Vancouver. Gotcha, gotcha, cool. Well, and I want to circle back around on. I got some good, uh, some questions that I have. I'm interested in kind of the hockey, that whole thing. Cause it's pretty amazing, right? You're at the highest level uh, there. But um, so, when did let, let's keep it on the fishing though? So, when does the show come to be? Is this idea just pop in after hockey, or have you been thinking about this for a while? Yeah. So th the show kind of again was tied into the end of my hockey career. I was a guest. Uh, on a couple different episodes of, of sport fishing, uh, BC or sorry, BC outdoors, um, with Mike Mitchell oh, yeah. and, uh, did a couple episodes and I was, you know, just chatting with Mike on the boat one day and, and, uh, you know, about kind of life after hockey and what I enjoyed to do. And fishing was always a huge passion of mine. And, and I thought, you know, I'd, I'd like to do something in that industry. And so we chatted a bit and then Mike called me, uh, you know, a little while later and said, Hey, listen, we're, we're thinking of starting a new show here and branching off from BC outdoors. And, and, uh, would you like to host it? And I said, Mike, well, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm still playing hockey here. I, I, I don't have the time to, to host, uh, you know, an entire series for the year. And he said, well, okay, what we'll do is we'll, we'll get four different hosts and, uh, you can, you can do three shows. I said, okay, that, that works for me. So that was kind of the introduction to it. So I did, I did, a show called sport fishing adventures for a few years uh co-hosted it with uh with four, three other hosts the first year and then and then two other hosts for three years it was myself and chris burns an ex uh, football player uh that played in the cfl and then you know i i just had a, a bit of a different vision of how i wanted to do a show and uh so basically just branched out 
went off on my own and started uh, Real West Coast. And, and that was kind of the uh, the beginning of it. And that's it. And so once you you got out of hockey, pretty much you were just fully focused on the Real West Coast? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a few other things that I, that I do. Uh, some commercial real estate with a group out of Vancouver called the Strongman Group. And and I got a rental company in Calgary with another partner. So there's other things, but fishing is, is and being outdoors is my passion. And that's, that's kind of where I'm, you know, I kind of really feel my happiest. Um, I, it, it's, it's a place where to me, so, so the kind of the premise of the show was, you know, obviously fishing is a huge part of the show, but we wanted to kind of capture the whole adventure of fishing and not focus so much on just nailing fish after fish after fish. We wanted to make people understand, hey, there's 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 more to it than just catching fish. Like taking your surroundings, taking the trip to get there, you know, uh, taking the the culture of the area you're in, you know, look at the conservation of the industry. So it was this, you know, kind of big picture, if you will, or 360 degree picture of of everything in its entirety. Perfect. Yeah, that's good. And and how do you go about with the show? You know, it's one of the challenges that, you know, sometimes you have is, is selecting like the topics, right? I mean, there's so much because you guys cover not just fly fishing, you cover a little bit of everything. How does that look? And and talk about that. So, and then how often are you guys uh, doing episodes? Yeah. So we, uh, so we film 10 episodes a year and um, I would say we do six to seven ocean shows per year and three to four freshwater shows and those freshwater shows can be anywhere from you know lakes uh, to rivers and we try to like you said we try to be well-rounded and and cover a lot of different aspects of you know fishing so we're not just purely gear guys we're not just purely fly fishing guys you know I, I, we like to kind of um you know i guess kind of appeal to a, a, the broad audience again but yeah it, it, you know and, and that's that's the special thing about our show. I mean, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate to, to be able to go to so many beautiful places and, and, uh, you know, fish different ways for different species of fish. And, uh, just very, very fortunate to be able to do that. Yeah. Well, in one of those shows, I know you went out to, and we've been uh, connected with them as the Northern Lights Lodge. And we were, I was just talking to Curtis, um, this week actually, um, but so how did that one come to be? How did the Northern Lights? Cause that's a kind of a unique area, right? It's way up in this amazing, uh, remote area. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's a spectacular place. And, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I did listen to your podcast with Skeed, the owner oh, yeah, of Northern Skeed. Lights Lodge. That's and, right. uh, man, Skeed, I told him when I met him at the end of that trip, I'm like, Skeed, you need to write a book. Like you need yeah, to write a book. He's like such an interesting dude. Like yeah. the stories he has of, uh, you know, the mining and selling gold bars. Oh, it's crazy. It like, uh, just like your, you know, your prototypical, like Northern Canadian Bushman, right? Like, exactly. But to, yeah. And it's funny you mentioned Curtis. I was, I was messaging with him, uh, you know, last week as well. But so Northern Lights Lodge was, uh, you know, I, I do a ton of research online about different lodges, different areas to fish. Um, and, and Northern Lights Lodge kept popping up as, as a unique place. And one of the main reasons was for a very unique strain of fish that they have up there, which is a, a trout called the horsefly strain, which can only be found in that particular area. And, um, so I've never caught a horsefly strain trout and, and so got in touch with Urs, sorry, not Urs, with Skeed 
and uh, and, and chatted with Curtis, and, and they were all for it. Yeah, come on up, guys. We want to showcase this. And they're kind of known maybe a bit as a uh, uh, you know a big bull bull trout uh, fishery, you know, uh, river fishery, um, stream fishing rivers, but they wanted to kind of focus a little bit on some still water fishing that they had because their region, the caribou is not, you know, as well known as let's say, uh, you know, the interior region, like Kamloops, you know, Merritt, Kelowna, that area for still water. So they were talking to me about, you know, the still water fishing they have. And they said, it's, it's going to blow your mind. Like you could still water fish out of a belly boat or a pontoon boat. And they said, you know, we have this huge sedge hatch, uh, mayflies and you're catching, you know, fish, still water fishing visually on the surface on dry flies. I'm like, wow, this sounds amazing. So we went up there and did that. And I'll tell you, that fishery blew my mind. It was, uh, it was everything and more that they, that they advertised. Yeah. And these horsefly strain trout, they kind of, they kind of have like a golden hue, hue to them. They're almost like a yellow, yellowish trout, but super, super aggressive fish. Like you would see a fish rise and if you could get your fly in the vicinity of that ring within five seconds, nine out of 10 times, you would catch that fish. Oh, wow. Oh, it was a, like, you could literally cast there and count down like three, two, one. And then it was like a shark, a great white shark oh, attacking a seal, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, right. like so aggressive. So, uh, yeah, Amazing. really, really cool spot. Yeah. Near, uh, you know, it's up in likely BC, uh, yeah, it, likely. Is where their lodge is and it's, it's very remote. A lot of history up there has kind of got like uh, the gold rush of northern BC and they got all okay. these back roads and a lot of history up in that area. So a really, really cool spot. That is cool. That is really cool. Are you pretty big on the history? Is that something you love like digging into? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think the older you get, the more you appreciate it, you know, um, and uh, and that's a little bit of part of, you know, our, our uh, the vision of our show again is kind of. You know, try to educate viewers of certain areas we're in and give a little bit of a background if we can. I mean, we don't go too far into it, but yeah, when we get to areas, just, you know, talk to the guys, talk to the owners and, and just learn about that particular area. It's, uh, it's interesting. Exactly. Nice. Do you feel, I, I would be, was thinking about this before, just kind of coming up with some general questions, but you know, I mean, being in front of with the hockey, right? I'm not sure. I think you were kind of 10 years. Is that roughly your, your career? Yeah. Yeah. I, I ended up playing 14 years professionally. 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was a it was a good run. It goes fast, but it's, yeah. it was a pretty pretty fun job. Yeah. Do you find that um, you know? I'd imagine just being on center stage, right, and center ice, right. I mean, you're in front of the cameras. Do you love? Is that something like when you're in front of the cameras? Has that always been something that you've just been easy for you, or have you had to get good at that? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting question because I wouldn't say I love like being in in front of the camera or being in the spotlight I'm, I'm a, i think most people that know me would say i'm a pretty humble guy pretty you know pretty modest guy but i think it, it's just something that you get used to and and it just becomes a part of your life you know when you're an athlete and and uh, you know essentially you're performing in front of you know 18 20,000 people a night um it just becomes second nature right it's it just you, you don't really think about the crowd too much you're just out there doing your job and doing whatever you need to do for your team to be successful but it's a huge adrenaline rush like you know playing sports and, and coming out and, and competing and and you know uh being a part of a team that sacrifices so much and watching how much your teammates pour into 
you know, uh, how much energy they put into the team. And, and when you come out on the ice and you have, you know, a full building, I mean, that's, it's pretty hard to replicate that in, in, uh, in any other job in the world. But I've found for me, fishing and being outdoors has, has, has replaced that. I mean, that's kind of where I get my adrenaline rush. That's kind of where I get my excitement. You know, that's where, you know, I, I, I tell people when, when I first hook a fish, it's like, it's like electricity in the rod, you know, and it's, it's just a ad- huge, huge adrenaline rush for me. So I think that's why I've really become so passionate about fishing and being outdoors. Wow, that's pretty powerful to say. I mean, for most people probably listening, you know, they aren't professional hockey players. And to think like fishing to you is you get a similar uh, kind of blast, right? You get that similar adrenaline rush. That's pretty amazing to hear. Absolutely. Yeah, I firmly believe it. Yeah. What is the, I mean, just sticking on that hockey track for a little bit, what was... um, I mean, I know you had some pretty, pretty big moments, you know, out there. What, what was one? Just give us a highlight because for those maybe that didn't know your career, what were some, was there one big moment that you always think back like, wow, I can't believe I did that or I was there? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's a few things like not even in my professional career, but I, I, I went to school at University of Michigan and we ended up winning the national championship my junior year. So that's oh, something wow. that always, you know, sticks in your mind. And uh, it was a huge, huge thrill. And then professionally you know playing your first game and I, I was fortunate enough to to score a goal and in, in my first game and I remember my first game like it was yesterday it was it's so vivid I mean a lot of other games you, you know you remember certain instances and in that but there's just a few things that really stand out vividly and like it happened yesterday in my first game I think for mo- like most guys that would be that would be one uh, memory for sure that's right up there and then you know just the playoffs for me that that's that's kind of what you play for is the getting into the right. playoffs. And unfortunately I, I never won the Stanley cup. So I, I, I wish I had a great story for you about parading the cup around and fishing be, beside the Stanley cup, but it right. never happened for me. But yep. uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, just a lot of great teammates over the years and a lot of great friendships. What are the, you know, I always think about this because it seems like, you know, I, I played some basketball, right? And I know that the, the chances of make it to the NBA are like pretty much zero, right? There's only a few hundred people. I mean, it seems like any professional sport though, right? I mean, what are the chances, what are the odds of, of you or anybody making to the NHL? Or is it a little bit easier to get, you know, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think there's been studies done where they they've come out and said, you actually have a better chance of winning the lottery than you do of becoming a professional athlete. Right. So, I mean, it's the, the numbers are pretty low. Um, and it's, it's interesting that when, when I, so I, I've coached since I've, I've uh, retired from hockey and that's one of the first things I, I have a team meeting at the beginning of the year and try to tell parents is like, you know, one, one word I would like you guys to keep in the forefront of your mind this year is perspective. And everyone kind of looks at me, what, what do you mean perspective? I said, listen, we would never say this to your kids because we're going to, you know, push them when they need to be pushed. We're going to pat them on the back and we're going to do everything we can to, you know, allow them to reach their, uh, their potential. But here's facts. You guys have a better chance of winning the lottery than your kid does of of becoming a professional player. And they're like, what? Yeah, that's the reality. So have some perspective here. Um, but at the same time, we want to do everything to help your kids you know, get to their highest, the level that they can. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's difficult, but, but as a kid, you don't think that, right? Like I never, I never thought that growing up. I always, you know, um, you didn't, you always thought you thought the whole time you're like, I'm going to be in the NHL. 
that was my dream. And, uh, and, and you have to have dreams and you have to chase them. I mean, I, my mom still has a, a journal entry from when I was in grade two, you know, and the assignment in the class was, what do you want to be when you grow up? And well, my answer was, I want to be an NHL hockey player. And, uh, and, you know, so it was always in the back of my mind that that's, was my goal. That was my dream. And that's what I put all my effort and attention into as a kid. And, and it was never a work for me. It was never something that I, I didn't enjoy to do. I would, you know, come home and, 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 you know, in Canada, you got to remember Canada, it, it's hockey is almost like, religion. Yeah, that's like it's, it. Oh, it, you yeah. know, it's just, it's the main sport. Uh, we have other sports right. obviously, you yeah. know, but hockey is the main sport. So, you know, you come home from school, you gather in the cul-de-sac, uh, you play road hockey with your buddies and you play until dinner time and, and you go back outside after dinner and you play and, and, and then, you know, you, and then uh, rollerblades were, were kind of invented. And I remember as a young kid getting my first pair of rollerblades under the Christmas tree and, and just wearing the wheels out on those things, like going out every day and playing on them. And it's just, you know, I didn't need my parents to tell me, hey, you should be out there practicing or you should, you should be nope, doing this. It was loved it. always on my own initiative and it's, it was something I loved to do. That's cool. Why did uh, so you went to Michigan? Why why did you choose Michigan over I, all any other college? Yeah, so I was recruited there. I took a different, a couple of different recruiting trips. Um, but I, I, I really liked their their reputation academically and and athletically. They were a powerhouse. Um, they had a great hockey team. They had a chance, you know, to win the national championship uh, the year I was recruited, and and every year I played there. You know, they had obviously the football with the big house and, you know, 100,000 people. And when I when I got recruited there um, on my recruiting trip, I actually went and watched the basketball game. And that's when the Fab Five was there. Oh, you were there yeah, with the Fab yeah, Five. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Nice. So, so yeah. Chris uh, Weber and the gang. Yeah, Weber and Jalen Rose, Juan Howard, wow. Jimmy King, Ray Jackson. What was that? So, yeah, yeah. You, that must have been amazing seeing those guys in man. person. Well, here's the thing. Like a kid Jeez. coming from Canada, you have no idea how big college sports are. No idea. Oh, so yeah, I come from a smaller town and I go into this basketball game and I'm sitting like three rows behind the bench. And I remember oh my you know, they were playing Notre Dame and it was like alley-oop, alley-oop. I'm like, dude, I have no, this is incredible. You're watching yeah. like five professional basketball yeah. players basically, right? Yeah, it was wild. So uh, it, it was, oh. uh, you know, I was just, that trip just captivated me and, and uh I know, and their coach also at the time was Red Berenson, and and uh, he was, you know, kind of the first. He was a pioneer of, of for college hockey players. He was the first college hockey player to play professionally, and he had a tremendous career in the NHL. And now he was back at his alma mater coaching. It was just, it was just a good fit for me. Gotcha. And just talking one, I mean, and I had this note too that uh, that Michigan um, championship you guys won. You scored. Did you score the winning goal? I did. Yeah. Yeah, I did. It was, uh, we were playing against Colorado and yeah, yeah. it was pretty wild. Uh, it was a tight game. You know, we were, we were a good team all year there and, um, we ended up winning in overtime. Yeah. Three and a half minutes in overtime. I, I was able to get a rebound at the net and had a pretty much had a wide open net. It seemed like slow motion it took forever for the puck to go in, but yeah, it did. And, and we won. So it was, it was pretty neat. Today's episode is sponsored by Maverick Fly Fishing. They make the lightest Euro nip reel in the world, which makes your rod more sensitive, casting more accurate, and you can hold your dead drifts longer without the shoulder burn. This reel is so unique, you may not even recognize it as a fly reel. I had a chance to fish the stinger reel with Jeff on his home river on the Truckee. The biggest thing that I remember is the weight. The weight really stuck out because you can't even barely tell there's a reel. 
it's essentially kind of like you're holding a rod all day long. I mean, it's that light. And, uh, and when you're Euro niffing, that is a key. And the other big thing I remember from that day was catching uh, a fish on my first cast. Pretty cool to be down in that part of the country and, and have some great success with Jeff. Maverick keeps things simple by offering a Euronymph product line with essentials you'll need from rod, reel, fly line, and leader system. Euronymphing doesn't have to be complicated, so let Maverick Fly Fishing get you started right now. You can learn more by checking out Maverick's YouTube channel for some tips and tutorials. And you can also head over right now to wetflyswing.com maverick to check out the good stuff they have going. That's Maverick, M-A-V-R-K wetflyswing.com slash maverick to support this podcast and take a look at one of the most unique and efficient Euronymphing setups on the market. Okay, back to the show. Well, let's dig back in a little on the show. So as you look ahead, I mean, how does that look? Like, what do you have coming? Give us a little heads up on, on this. I'm not sure where you're at with your seasons and what kind of shows we can expect. Yeah, yeah. So we, uh, we're heading into season seven now. Um, so it's, it's, it's flown by. So we've got, we've got 60 episodes in the can and, and, uh, you know, you can, you can watch those on YouTube and we also have our, our website and, um, my cameraman slash producer slash editor slash social media guru is Mike Bemister and, and he really makes all the magic happen, but, uh, you know, he may, he, uh, we're, we're a good team. So I, so we both research, okay, we're, what do we want to do this year and, and where haven't we been? Um, we kind of collaborate and, uh, see early on when, so we're getting, you know, we're getting to the point now where we're, we're actually having some lodges reach out to us and, and, you know, are, are complimenting what we're doing and are, are asking us to come out there. So that's a good spot to be in. So, uh, but this year, the only thing we have on the docket right now, which is going to be pretty sweet is, uh, is we're actually going down to Chile Oh wow! in, in April. So that, uh, that'll be interesting. Nice. Um, we've never gone to South America to fish. Um, you know, we, we've been to, we've been to Belize, uh, for tarpon and, and, uh, and permit and bonefish. And we've been up to Alaska. We've been to Hawaii. We've been to Mexico several times, but this is going to be our first time down to South America. So it'll be interesting. It'll be uh, that'll be a fun trip, but you know, we target a lot of spots up and down the West coast, a lot of salmon fishing, a lot of halibut fishing. You know, we've been to a couple other great, uh, fly fishing spot last last year we did a double episode up at uh, northern rockies lodge where you you fly into um fort nelson bc and then you actually take a two and a half hour drive kind of heading west on the alaska highway and uh so the home base or the home base is at muncho lake and from there they have 70 different fly-in access lakes that you can go fish at and rivers and it's remarkable and uh the owner and bush pilot Urs is uh, is a tremendous man, and that's quite the experience. Like it's it's off the charts. So, yeah, um, we're just putting it together right now. We're putting it together. Yeah. Gotcha. What is the chili trip? What is that going to be? What are you guys fishing for? Do you have the details on that? Well, we're still working through it. I know when you go down to Chile, it's like you automatically think of the big brown trout and rainbow trout. That's right. So we might mix in some of the fly, but what? they've kind of got a bit of a new fishery down there for salmon. I mean, they have, Oh, right. They, so is it uh, Chinook? they have Chinook salmon that, uh, a couple of tributaries from the Columbia river. They actually took eggs and brought them down there the late seventies, early eighties. That's right. So 
and are, they're not native species down there, but, but neither are the browns or the rainbows. So those were all brought down. But uh, So these Chinook were brought down in their late 70s, early 80s, and now they just naturally spawn and return. So they have a natural return of Chinook down there. So river fishing has been popular for years there, but we've teamed up with these guys who have, are just really starting to downrigger fish for them. And um, so we're going to go down there and downrigger fish for salmon in, in Chile in the ocean. Nice. Which will be uh, it's something that hasn't been done a, a ton before. So it'll be it'll be pretty cool to kind of you know it's kind of a fishery in its infancy, really. Right on. That sounds great. And you have uh, you have a big boat, right? What's your boat you're on? Yeah, yeah. We got a we got a a Kingfisher uh, thirty twenty five GFX. So we uh, Kingfisher is a, a big sponsor of ours, and they've been a great partner for you know since inception. And uh, yeah, so we're. We, we love our boat. It's a great boat. We're, we're yep. spoiled and you know, we can take that, we can take that thing anywhere. We've had that thing, you know, 70 miles offshore of, of oh, uh, wow. the West coast fishing for albacore tuna and yeah, I can handle any oh, water. Amazing. So we're, we're pretty Gosh. lucky. How does that do? Have you been any, I'm not sure what type of a, a boatman you are, but have you been in some like rough seas and dealt with that at all? Yeah. Yeah. Like the West coast can get pretty hairy. It's, uh, are you pretty confident when you're in that? Or is yeah. that is that this thing that you're kind of puckered up? I, I, and... Yeah, no, I'm confident in it, but I mean, smart, you know, very uh, calculated. I mean, you, you you can't mess around out there. You got to be on top of the weather reports and <clears throat> and watching incoming weather. But yeah, I mean, there's times when we've been out there with you know you have you're taking water over the roof, and it's it's not a fun feeling. <laughs> it's not a fun feeling, but uh, you know you go about it the right way and. and take your time and, you know, don't, don't be dumb about things and then you should be fine. Yeah. Perfect. What about on your episode? So are there any that stick out as like maybe some of your, I'm not sure if you look at the, the stats on it, but the most popular or, or episodes that really you remember out of these seven seasons or six or seven seasons you have? Yeah. Like we've been pretty lucky to get a good, good viewership, a good following. Um, but you know, just, you know, when you talk specifically about the fly stuff, obviously you're going up to uh, Northern Lights Lodge, and and those we did we did double episodes there they uh, they were they were received very well um i mentioned northern rockies lodge did a double episode up there those are very well received you know we did a we did an interesting one here a couple of years ago at uh nicholas dean lodge where we uh we, we were spay fishing and i've only spay fished a couple of times so this was a little bit of an education on how to spay fish really because i was essentially you know, being retaught the different casts and, and, uh, and, and fishing up there. So that, that was fun. Were you guys going for uh were you going for a steelhead or what were you going for? Yeah. Yeah. We were fishing for steelhead, which yeah. is not easy, right? Yeah. Not, not no. an easy species to go <laughs> no, for. It's, it's, uh, you know, they say the fish of a thousand casts or, or maybe a fish of 10,000 yeah. casts. You did on get one though, right? Yeah, I did. I man. think you did. Yeah. And didn't he have a hole in his net or something like that? Oh, it's not Murphy's law. So you know, you know, you put your time in, right? And and uh, so we finally hooked up, got a nice fish, and uh, Dustin was our guide, and he went he went to go net the fish, and he nets the fish, and the fish goes right through a hole in the net, and I'm like, oh, are you kidding me right That's now? Like, right. fished it two days to get this fish, and and uh, now he's through the net, and I can just see the line snapping and or the oh, leader snapping. But we got yeah. that fish in, we got that fish in. It was a yeah, beautiful hen, yeah, nice chrome chrome fish there. Um, yeah, we 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 did another episode, a steelhead episode here. Uh, geez, must be six years ago now. We were fishing with Gil McKean from uh, uh, West Coast Fishing Adventures, and uh, we we fished a couple different rivers up up there for coho, and then also targeted steelhead as well. And that's 
that's a magical place, that terrace area. I mean, there's so many beautiful oh, yeah. areas in British Columbia. Um, I know. You know we, Pitt River Lodge is another a great location, uh, actually, in, in where I grew up in Pitt Meadows, but it's you can only access Pitt River Lodge by jet boat or flying by helicopter. And, and uh, you know, Danny Jarek up there, I, I know him. He's he's kind of like the steward of that river, but they got a they got a lot of species of fish up there. They got, you know, resonant rainbows and they get huge bull trout in there too. These bull trout come out of, come out of like Garibaldi park and they actually go into the Fraser river and, and they feed on oolikins when they come in, in, uh, in like April, May, and then they come back into the river and they're, and they're big bulls. Like you can get, you can get 12, 14 pound bulls in there on the fly. So that's, that's a great fishery too. They got an awesome run of, uh, of, uh, coho salmon and, so, so many, so many places. I mean, uh, you're, you're really spoiled out, out in the West. Yeah, I know the West is great. Nice. Well, that gives a, a little highlight on some of the trips, and it sounds like you, you've you got some steelhead, you've got some trout. I mean, and, and also the salt, right? I mean, you get, it sounds like you've got an equal amount of salt. What do you, when you look between fresh and salt, is that kind of an equal thing for you, or do you really love, like, this one over the other? You know, I, I would say they're pretty equal, to be honest with you. Like, um each style of fishing has its own kind of specialties, right? I mean, um, with that being said, I, I do think it is very, very hard to replicate the feeling of watching a, a fish eat a, eat a lure or a fly on the top of the water. I mean, yeah. that's the ultimate, right? That, that yeah. is the absolute ultimate, like, but I'm not going to sit here and say like, listen, I'm a, I'm a snobby, uh, right. You're dry, a purist. fly fisherman, <laughs> purist only. Like I can't catch a fish any other way. Like, people say, what, what's, what's your favorite thing to fish with? I'm like, whatever's catching fish. That's how I like to catch fish. Is what right. You do it all. You, you'll with. do any type yeah. of fishing. Yeah. But again, there's something to be said about the different styles of fishing and, 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 uh, you know, when you're in certain locations and certain areas, then yes, there's, there's times when I only want a fly rod in my hand, but there's other situations when I'm fishing. Well, if I have a fly rod in my hand, my chances of catching a fish are all like zero. Right. right. Like I'm not going to catch a, a Chinook salmon while I'm out on my boat in uh, in the Pacific ocean when I know they're and a, a little deeper in the water column, I'm just spinning my wheels. So, I mean, you got to, I, I think it's uh right tool for the job, right? Yeah. The right tool. And I like to be able to have the ability to adapt. I love that. Do you do any, uh, already having interest in hunting? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I do like, um, I actually, I never grew up hunting. Uh, my dad didn't hunt. So I, it was the furthest thing from my mind. And then, you know, fishing was really a, what kind of consumed me from a teenager and through my early 20s and into my 30s. And then when I retired from hockey, I had a, a really good buddy of mine, Jeff Sanderson, who I played with in Vancouver. And, and our boys were now playing together in Calgary. He said, uh, you know, you, you got to come hunting with me. I'm like, I don't know, Sandy, I don't think it's for me. He's like, well, just come, you know, just come for a hike and, you know, you might, you might just enjoy being outdoors. Well, I'll tell you, like, <laughs> well, he took me down another rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Now my wife's like, really? What were you guys going for? <laughs> we were, the first time I went out, we were, um, archery hunting for mule deer in Southern Alberta. Oh wow. Archery too, right? Jump right into it. Oh man. It was, uh, it was ridiculous. So, so then, yeah, here's a, I got a, I got another hobby now or yep. a passion. So yeah, it's great. Yeah. Again. I get to spend more time outdoors. Um, I love being out there. I, I love the, I love the physicality of hunting. I love, you know, the, the, the intimacy of hunting with a bow. I mean, the, the amount of effort that goes into the preparation, um, 
you know, your game plan, all these things. I mean, that's, that's the challenge to me. It's yeah. So I, I really enjoy it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of overlap, obviously, you know, even, you know, you got conventional fishing, fly fishing, hunting, right. Everybody there's, you know, we know a lot of our listeners, like half of them are hunters, right. And, and fly anglers. So there's just, a, it's, yeah, obviously it's, it goes with the territory, you know, outdoors. Yeah. It's a lifestyle, right. It's, uh, you yeah. know, and I like to tell people, it's like, I like to, I mean, I invest in my lifestyle and uh, that's, you know, I, it keeps me in good shape. It keeps me young it, you know it keeps me uh kind of uh on, on being able to interact with with friends and 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 family like i i have i have four kids i got a i got a son who's 21 and then i have three daughters 19 17 and 14 and they all like to come out on the boat they like to fish you nice. know take a couple of them you know hiking and and uh and, and hunting and you know one of my daughters doesn't doesn't enjoy it that day hey, that that's fine but three of my kids enjoy it. They like, they love to come out. So I, it's just another way to spend time with your kids and, and, and kind of bond. Yeah. There you go. Are any of your kids into, uh, into hockey? Yeah. So my son plays hockey. He's 21. Uh, he's, uh, he had a, he had a scholarship to the university of Wisconsin. So he, he's been there the past year and a half, but he actually, he actually just left at Christmas time to go back to play junior. He wasn't playing much at Wisconsin. So he's, he's probably looking at, uh, transferring to a, another school. And then, um, my oldest daughter plays soccer at Miami of Ohio. I got a 17 year old daughter playing soccer here. And then my 14 year old daughter plays hockey. So yeah, we're, uh, we're kind of a sporty family. It's always been a part of our life. And my, my wife was an athlete as well and, uh, played volleyball in college and, and played basketball growing up. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a big part of our life. Definitely. You mentioned a couple of, uh, players along along your journey or people you connected with who you know when you were playing uh, hockey all those years professionally were there some pretty big people you played against? i can't remember what your position maybe you could tell us what your your position was and then did you play against yeah. some other big names oh yeah for sure so i so i played center um that was uh that was that was my position and uh i, I was originally drafted by the new jersey devils so the first time i, I walked into that locker room it was you know you're, you go from watching guys that you admired on TV to now playing beside them, like, uh, Scott Niedermeyer, Scott Stevens, Doug Gilmore, Dave Andrichuk, Marty Brodeur. Like we had a, oh, wow. um, an older veteran team and, uh, a great group of guys. Um, you know, over the course of my career, I, you know, I've, I've got to play with out in Vancouver with, you know, uh, Marcus Naslin, Todd Bertuzzi, Ed Jovanoski, the Sedin brothers, uh, Roberto Luongo, I played in Washington with Ovechkin. I played in Chicago briefly with Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taze. Played in Calgary with Jerome McGinley, Mika Kiprasov. You know, I, I, I was I got a, I was fortunate. I, I did play against Gretzky. I played against oh, you. Did. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Joe Sakic, uh, Peter Forsberg, Eric Lindros. So I was yeah. I, I, oh wow. Those guys were all kind of at the same time. I overlapped with. Uh, you know, Eiserman, Fedorov, uh, right, Nick Lidstrom. Everybody. So these guys that I idolized on TV growing up, I got a chance yeah. to play against. So it was a huge, huge thrill. What's that like when you're there sitting there across the ice <laughs> from, say, like Gretzky or any of those big oh, man. I mean? 
I think the first time I took a face off against him, it, uh, I think I was just, I, I didn't even think I didn't touch the puck. I was just kind of staring at him. You know? Right. But, <laughs> so it is a little bit different. Yeah. What, what is that about? Because it always seems like, you know, I mean, you talked about a ton of, I mean, all, all these players are amazing, but Gretzky seems to be that one guy that maybe stands above ever, maybe yeah. not, but right. What, yeah. what is it about him or even some of the, those other guys that just like, it's almost like I, I am trying to get a feel for like, why, why Gretzky, why does he have those records and all that stuff? Well, I mean, he, you know, just the way he played the game. I mean, his, his, his the way he uh, anticipated the way he could pass the puck and the team he played on in the mid eighties, the, the Edmonton Oilers. I mean, they were absolutely loaded with Hall of Fame. Oh, guys. they were. They, they yeah. Were and they scored a yeah. ton of goals and for yeah. me, he was he was my idol growing up. I mean, oh, he was. Other guys I, yeah. So there's other guys I enjoyed watching play. Uh, you know, like Eisenman and and, and Sackett because they were all centermen. But Gretzky for me was was the guy who I was kind of infatuated with when I was a kid. Um, wow. So to get a chance to play a couple of games against him was a huge thrill. And but you know, you, you quickly learn. Hey, listen, if I'm just gonna stand here and watch these guys yeah, I'm, not, get I'm, crushed. Not, I'm not gonna have a job very very long no you know you got to go out there and perform and you yeah have to compete and you have to show that you belong so um so it's an interesting dynamic so on one hand like you have this again i'm not going to say it's an infatuation because that's taking it too far but you have a, yeah. a huge admiration for these guys sure. but but you also have to you know compete and and um trying to do everything you can to win the game for your team yeah, yeah, and, and hockey is interesting because of the, the really the physicality. I mean, slamming people against the wall. I mean, it's probably changed over the years, but I mean, that's one of those things. The fist fights, right? I mean, throw down the yeah. gloves. Like, was that what? What's what's that like? I mean, were you ever in those things where you're throwing down? You're like literally trying to fight. I mean, I know some people didn't do that, right? I'm not sure what your career was like. Right. Yeah. So I, to be honest with you, I avoided that at all costs. <laughs> yeah. I. Uh, Me too. I mean, that's exactly how yeah. I was. That was the one thing I always remembered, like growing up, was like, you know what? I'm not big on fighting. I'm just not gonna <laughs> fight it. <laughs> so you can I do mean, that. I, so you can avoid in hockey. Yeah, you can avoid the fights. You can avoid it. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like, and it's the game is evolving. I mean, you don't see it as much today. Uh, you know. Oh right. It's kind of so. When I first came into the league in 1997, 98, I mean. Hockey, if you go back and watch old tapes, it's almost like wrestling on ice, like very right. physical, um, you know, a lot of interference, a lot of stick work. And then the NHL had a lockout in 2004, 2005, and they changed some of the rules. They wanted to get rid of the clutching and grabbing. They wanted to showcase more of the, the skill, the speed. And so they, so they, they clamped down on all this clutching and grabbing. So when, after the 0405 lockout year, so 0506, the game opened up a ton. So before that, when you, you had, you know, big guys who maybe weren't the best skaters, they could play in the league because they could clutch and grab and hold on to guys. Well, as the game kind of transitioned to a speedier, faster, quicker, more skilled game, I mean, you had to be able to skate or you couldn't play in the league. And we've gotcha. seen we've seen that evolve from that point in time. I mean, now I watch hockey games and it's a lot, they're like track meets out there. I mean, guys are flying up and down the ice. Um, a lot of skill, a lot of skill, uh, higher scoring games, you know? Um, so I, I think it's very entertaining. Yeah, it is. That's, that's really cool. And are you a big history buff on hockey? Like, do you go back and know all the old yeah. players? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know. Yeah. I, I stay on top of it, you know, even though I, you know, I, I retired at the end of the 2011-12 season. I still follow it. You know, I watch 
scores nightly, who's doing well, who isn't doing well. And yeah, I, I try and stay on top of it. Perfect. Cool. Well, anyway, we were talking, I had one, this is an old name. I'm sure you probably haven't heard of this guy, but you ever heard of a pro hockey player, uh, Len Ronson? I don't know him. No, I don't. <laughs> he, he's, I think he was a smaller, uh, he, I was talking to my brother about uh, last night we were at dinner and stuff, but, uh, he actually lived next door to us growing up. Oh, no way. We were down here and, uh, I'm in Oregon down here, but, um, yeah. And he was, uh, just, uh, just like we're saying, I mean, this guy was a brute. He was, you didn't mess with this guy, you know, like, and, uh, but yeah, he played pro hockey and I was looking at his career. He scored like 300 goals. Uh, I mean, like what is, is 300 goals, what is a uh, goals wise? What's a lot of goals for, uh, to wow. score in hockey? I mean, that, that would be a, uh, significant amount. It, yeah. I mean, if you scored 300 goals at NHL, that's a, that's a lot of goals. Like kind of like the hall of fame kind of, you know, number, you know, it's kind of 500, but you have some okay. guys that but like, yeah, he scored. What did Gretzky do? What did Gretzky oh, score? Gretzky's got the all time record. He's got, uh, oh geez. That's what? I, I do Thousands know this. or something. No, you he, know goals. He's got 900 or 892, oh, right. 892. I think it is. Yeah. Uh, but assists wise, he has, he has more assists than the second place guy with points career points has. Like that's uh, how right. over the top. So yeah. So I think Gretzky ended up with like 894 goals, just under 900. And, uh, you know, has, like I said, about 1800 assists or something like, like absolutely crazy. Like crazy. Um, but, but you know what, currently Alex Ovechkin is, is creeping up like, uh, Oh really? There's somebody out oh, there creeping. He's currently playing. So, uh, Alex Ovechkin, who's play, oh, I, I actually played with him in, in Washington. He spent his whole career in Washington and no, and nobody thought Gretzky's goal record was touchable. Like they said, this, you can't, it will never be broken. Well, Ovi is, I think roughly 80 goals behind him. So, He's in striking distance, and I, I never thought it would happen. But and always 38, 35 years old now, thirty six. So, but he still scores, man. Mm, is that pretty? That's getting there. It's getting up there. How many years has he got when you're thirty five? Well, I mean, the guys are playing a little bit longer now, but uh, yeah, forties yeah, and old, forties and old guy. Yeah, forty, you're a dinosaur. If you're playing at forty out there, you're a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned the rule changes in 2004. You always see this in pro sports where in baseball is a good example, right? I mean, you change something on the ball and all of a sudden there's more homers that are like jacked out and, and or steroids, right? Like a st the steroid thing, right? That like, but do you see that as like how the game has changed to more of a faster goal that Gretzky's record maybe is being, maybe will go down because of that, just changes in the rules. Is that kind of what we're looking at? Yeah, I think opening the game up a bit more for sure. Um, but, you know, they, they've kind of part of the evolution of, of wanting more goals because they kind of went through this dead puck era where goal scoring was way down and fans weren't finding it as entertaining so they actually modify goaltender equipment now like the goaltender equipment can only be like the pads can only be a certain size they can only be a certain width oh, right. a certain height so they, they have some modifications there but i think probably the biggest technology in hockey has been uh how far the sticks have come all these composite sticks um you know every, like back when i played you you had a you know a certain number of guys that could really shoot the puck right and uh could like just bomb it but now everybody can shoot it like i go watch m my kids play and all those kids can just rifle the puck they can shoot oh, the really? puck harder than i ever could oh yeah they can oh, just wow. rifle it 
Yeah, yeah. So I think the advance of, of technology with sticks is really uh, sticks has really right. changed. Like, yeah. are they using like carbon fiber sticks now? Exactly. And stuff like that? Or is it still? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like composite carbon fiber, exactly. Yeah, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah, That's it. And, and the cost of sticks, like, you know, I remember again when I played when I was younger. You have a wooden stick, twenty bucks, you get thirty dollars. Then, kind of, you graduated into an aluminum stick, and you could use an aluminum shaft for the entire year. It would bend, but you would just flip it over, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, you'd buy wood blades, which were you know ten dollars, twelve dollars. Well, now. Like if you want a high end hockey stick, like the top of the line hockey stick, you're looking at $350 for one stick. Oh, wow. Where they go? Yeah. Yeah. It's expensive. That's it. Right. <laughs> like not quite as expensive as a fly rod. No. Right? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. 350. But those things can, if you take care of your fly rods, it lasts you a lifetime, right? Yeah, they do. Right. So in a hockey stick doesn't necessarily, you could easily break a stick. Oh Yeah. Today's episode is sponsored by Tokens Fly Shop. Tokens Fly Shop provides superior quality products at a great price. They have also a great YouTube channel that you can check out right now with uh, new flight tying tutorials each week. Tokens also has you covered if you're looking for unique in-house products. And they also support uh, many, many of the great brands out there that you know and trust. It's been fun connecting with Justin, the family, uh, over the years now. And it's it's been really cool. A great local fly shop. Tokens is also offering their fly tying box where they send out materials at a regular cadence where you don't even have to think of it. You just open the mailbox and there's your Tokens pack. And I recently made an order through Tokens and the experience is always perfect. They've got you covered if you ever have questions or need any help, whether that's a YouTube tutorial or connecting with them uh, personally. Since 2005, Tokens has been over delivering on customer service it's time for you to check out uh, Togans Buzz for yourself. You can head over to wetflyswing.com slash Togans right now to check out their diverse selection of products today. You support this podcast by clicking through that link to Togans online. That's Togans, T-O-G-E-N-S. Okay, back to the show. Well, I got one one other hockey question. I had uh, Greg Keenan, uh, my buddy up there in your, in your neck. Oh, yeah. He, I, yeah. I asked him, yeah, I think you know Greg. Um I said, give me a question for uh, for Brendan, and he said, "Hey, uh, ask him about uh, Vancouver versus Calgary. What, which one? Oh boy. <laughs> Talk about that. Is that a tough choice? Which one you? Oh man, yeah, that would have been in the uh, 03, 04 season, where uh, yeah, we met them in the first round of the playoffs, and uh, it was a great series. It, it was a back and forth. It was a battle, and it was a big rivalry, like two big Western Canadian cities. So we were." We were down in the series three games to two, and game six was in uh, was in Calgary, and we got a four nothing early in that game. And we're you know we think we're on cruise control. We're heading home for game seven here, so you know guys just kind of like I said, put in cruise control. Well, next thing you know, Calgary makes it four one. It's four two, four three. Now we're playing pretty tight. Four four. We're like, oh, oh my wow. goodness, what's what's happening here? Anyways, so that game goes into. Uh, into triple overtime and uh, yeah and i i ended up scoring to win that game for oh, us to send yeah. the series back to back to vancouver for game seven so now we're going home we're in good shape um so game seven and we're down two one late in the game and uh or it might have been three two late in the game anyways 
we pull our goaltender, the puck's behind our net, Marcus Naslin kind of goes end to end. There's like five seconds left in the game. He takes a wide angle shot and a, and a guy on our team, Matt Cook, gets the rebound. He scores with like two point something seconds oh, left wow. in the game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we score to tie that game, to send it into overtime. Oh, my gosh. So we're, you know, we, we're like this is meant to be right. This is, this is, this is meant to be like, uh, this is your game, right? Yeah, so you this got is the momentum now. You got this the momentum. This is the momentum. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but we actually, we had a, we had a penalty at, at the end of regulation that carried over into overtime. So oh, we go into overtime damn. and we just need to kill this penalty and, and we think we're going to be good to go. But so anyways, Calgary scores and this ripped our heart out. They beat us oh, at home in game seven and, God. uh, yeah, it wow. was a tough and, one, man. And is it sudden? Is that how it works in overtime? Is it like sudden yeah. death, whoever scores first? Yeah. Was that exactly. carryover penalty kind of one that you look back and you think maybe the they could have let that one go? Or what yeah. was that? I, no, it was a penalty. <laughs> they had to it was call legit. it. Yeah, it, it was legit. legit. But yeah. uh, that's the way it goes, you know? Like, it's uh, it's hard yeah. to win. It's um, That's why you play the games, right? Yeah, it's not yeah. easy, right? You're in game seven. That's probably you're at the highest level. And, and this was playoffs too? This was playoffs, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, but God, game seven. That was playoffs, nice. That yeah. was not really nice of Greg to bring that one up again. I'll have to. Remind yeah, him. thanks, thanks <laughs> I'll, for bringing I'll that one up, Greg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's good. He's got some good oh. questions. I'll, I'll let him know. We, we had a good. That that is actually a great one. Um, so again, you know, with what you have going, um, I mean, do you see this? Do you look out at this? Just are you looking ahead one year? Are you looking ahead like I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my time, kind of with the show or some type of show? Is that or do you see yourself retiring from potentially the? you know, the show as well down the line. Well, I don't have any, uh, any uh, thoughts on that right now. I'm, I, I still love it. Like I'm enjoying it. I mean, I, I can't wait for the fishing season here to, to kind of get going again. And, you know, and typically for us, uh, as you know, on, on the West coast there, you can winter still ahead and, but the, the still water fishing for us kind of starts in May, end of May when ice comes off and that's go time. A lot of, uh, indicator fishing with coronamids. And, uh, that's kind of the, kind of the kickoff of, of the fly fishing season out there. And, um, you can fish throughout the summer, depending on what elevations you're at, obviously depends on how warm or cool a lake is and how the fishing will go. And then, so you kind of, that still water season has a little bit of a downturn in August typically, but then fires right up again, September, October, but we have great river fishing in, in, uh, in June as well at certain times. And then again in that September October uh time frame so you know it's 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 a great spot there's so many places to go in. and and with Greg there you know I I, I did fish with him a couple of years ago oh we, you did oh cool yeah yeah we fished uh we were up at uh at Corbett Lake oh yeah you did the Corbett then, Lake oh cool yeah yeah which is uh a cool fishery I mean not a super big lake but I mean they they have a private uh hatchery where they stocked that lake so you i mean yeah. you can get big big rainbows in there like were you up there yeah. was phil roy up there as well Do you know well if, if I, phil? I i i've crossed paths with phil a couple times um but he he wasn't fishing that lake when i was there but i have seen him at shows and talked to him for sure i mean he's uh you know obviously a, a guru on the west coast yep. there a stillwater guy and and brian chan as well yeah, right? yeah these brian, are guys yep. that you know i've had some interaction with brian a little bit but just uh such such a nice man like yeah. uh just you know very um forthcoming with information wanting to help people right like uh, he, he's just uh an encyclopedia of knowledge and and uh 
just wants to share it. He wants people to get better on the water. He wants people to learn. And, and you really respect and appreciate guys like that who are kind of, you know, industry leaders that are in it for all the right reasons. Yeah, definitely. Is that on your show, you know, when you look at why you do it, is there like a one thing you think about, like the number one, you know, because it is a lot of, I'm sure it's a lot of work, right? Doing a, doing even 10 episodes, right? Yeah. Like it's, uh, it, it is work, but, uh, again, I, I, I love it and I really want to kind of project the, the excitement that I have onto other people so they can come out and enjoy it. And, you know, part of the reason, or one of the goals of our show is to really, you know, try to, um, capture the attention of of the younger generation right i mean it's at times numbers are kind of dwindling a bit with younger kids getting involved into activities outdoors and you know so if we can encourage a uh a child or you know a young adult to to pick up a rod and get out on the water and and have this experience and then maybe pass it down to their kids i mean that that's really a big part about what we're trying to do Nice, nice. And it sounds like with your coaching, yeah, you're doing that as well with the hockey. Um, I mean, trying to, right, giving a little back, right? That too is part of it. That's what it's about. It's, um, if you're, I've always felt like if you're in a position where you can help others or, you know, you have something to offer others and uh, then I feel that like you have an obligation to do that, right? I mean, it's just, uh, you know, it's, it's part of being a good person and, um, you know, putting a smile on somebody's face or, you know, uh, allowing them to have a new experience that, that they get excited about. I mean, that's, that's to me is a big, big part of it. Do you look back on your career just, you know, in hockey and everything, just saying like, wow, there's all these people that, that kind of, you know, were that person for you, like, like you're doing for these kids, the same thing. You had these people along the way that were like, wow, I couldn't have done it without that person. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, obviously my parents, right. Like raising me the right way and, and encourage me to encouraging me to, you know, when I, when I put my mind to something, make sure you're fully invested in it. And, and, uh, and, uh, you know, buddies of mine who have a huge, huge passion, like I mentioned, Jeff Sanderson, there, another good friend of mine, a gentleman by the name of Walter Coriath is really took me under the, under his wing and, and, uh, and showed me a ton about fishing that, that I had never knew. And so I'd go out with him on the water and whether we're, you know, all kinds of different fishing and just, kind of showing me different things like you know you come to a new piece of water for example okay what do you look for where do you think fish are holding um and as and then and as uh somebody who's just you know newly out you don't you don't think about these things right you don't you just get out there throw your fly out um and hope hope for the best right but as you get more vested in it there's you actually need to break it down in or in order to increase your your odds, your levels of success, right? You know, how fast is the water moving? Uh, what's the color of the water? What's the sky color? Is it dark? Is it light? Will that influence what kind of fly I'm going to use as far as a, a color? So all these little intricacies that go into it really add up, add up to success. Yeah, no, it reminded me, uh, Phil Roy, we have him on as a guest uh, podcast host, and he's just did an episode, which is like breaking down, you're new to a lake, here's the how-to, right? You come to a lake and he broke down kind of the still water tactics if, to get it dialed in, just like you're talking about, right? That's the first part of it. Yeah, instead of jumping in there, where do you think the fish are at and all that? So I'll put a link out to the show notes to that episode and, uh, and anything else that we chat about. Maybe we'll get some highlights. That's the other thing. I'll throw in some videos. Uh, do you have a few highlights out there on the, on the hockey? Like, um, or is, was, was your time <laughs> before not as much YouTube out there? 
Uh, I, I think there's the odd one out there. Yeah, yeah. I think that, a little bit. Yeah. So I think there's. I think there should be some. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All <laughs> right. We'll throw, some. We'll throw uh, some out there. Yeah. I was just thinking about Greg there real quick again. So yeah, we fished Corbett. We and then we actually went up to another lake. Uh, uh, we went to a lodge, Sky High Lodge, and fish High Heum Lake, which is another oh, really okay. fun lake to fish just outside of Kamloops. So again, there's so many options, but yeah, yeah, it's uh, you know what, there's, yeah. there's too many places to fish. I know, right? so little time. <laughs> That's the problem we find too. We we're doing actually, I'm doing this uh, program with Greg. We're working on the school program. We're setting up trips around. And, uh, and that's always the thing, like we've done all these cool trips, but there's all these other ones we want to do, right? We want to go to Florida, you know, and there's for every trip you do, it seems like there's 10 or whatever, a hundred more that you can't do. And so and that's part of the right. challenge. Yeah. Real quick, have you been to Florida? Have you fished there? No, but we, I just had Bruce Shard on and he is the man like, uh, down there and Florida is one of the places. And we, we did an episode on it. He talked about the grand slam. That's one we're probably going to set it up for next year. I think if it all works out and get down with him. Um, but yeah, I want to get down there. I mean, gosh, I would take anything, right? I mean, bonefish, giant tarpon. That, you guys had some tarpon, right? Did you go for tarpon? Yeah. So, so we, we did an episode in Belize where we got a, a, a nice tarpon there, about a 50, 60 pounder, a great fish. But I think I get asked that question sometimes if, you know, what is, what is the ultimate, like if you could pick one style of fishing or one fish to catch and, and I'm a West coast guy, I love salmon, steelhead trout, but, but with that being said, um, sight fishing for tarpon with a dry fly is life altering. Like right. it is, yeah. you know, so you have your guide or your captain and he's pulling up on his, up, up, up top on the, on the stand and you got one fisherman at the front and then you got your body usually on the boat and you're all looking for fish and it's like, okay, tarpon, tarpon, like 150 yards. And then, you know, the, the, the bow of the boat's, you know, 12 o'clock. So you work it. Okay. Three o'clock, three o'clock. So you point your rod, the guy on the bow, you see him, he's moving left to right, left to right. Okay. I'm going to position the boat. So like your heart rate, man, goes from zero, zero to 180. And now this fish is moving and those things, you know, they get up 200 pounds down there, those God, big Key giant. West tarpon. And, yeah. and now it's, okay, start your cast, start your cast. Okay, okay, drop it, drop it in front of him, drop it in front of him. Okay, bump it, bump it, recast, pick up, pick up. So he's barking orders, right? And your mind is just right. like, you got you got smoke coming out of your ears. <laughs> and when, when you make a good cast and you see it, that fish turn and you watch him come up inside. Oh, and, but the hardest thing is, being a guy, you know, again, who fishes trout mostly. So on your hook set, you're so used to, okay, rod tip up, oh, rod right, tip rod up. Set. Well, yeah. there, it's completely different. You just point your rod at the fish and grab your line and literally pull it as hard as you can and do that two, three, four times because those tarpon mouths are like that's right sandpaper, right? No teeth and they're so hard. But man, once you hook a fish, it's like, clear the line, make sure your foot isn't anywhere near that line and hold on because those things can go to zero to Mach 80 in like three seconds. And now they're jumping and they're, yeah, it's, it's an experience, man. It's, I highly recommend it. That's it. Yeah. I think tarpon, it seems like tarpon out of everything, it comes back to that. Usually I think tarpon is the one species, you know, as, as great as everything else is. It's just for that reason. I mean, that is the reason, right? They're they're big, they're strong, they jump. They're like dinosaurs almost too, kind yeah. of, right? They're this crazy, yeah. the mouth and the eye, everything is just 
really amazing about them. They're like a humongous herring, right? Like a white oh, yeah, herring, herring, exactly. The big yeah. scales, the big eyes, yeah. And the mouth, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are you going to be doing, once you hit the tarpon, do you, do you have plans to go back and do it again, or do you check that off your box and you're going for another species? Yeah, I know. I'd love to do it again. No, I'm up for it for sure. would love to do it again. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Cool. Well, let's uh, take it out of here really quick. Just had a couple of uh, random ones to, to wrap it up. If that sounds good to you. Yeah. Yeah. I guess first, again, I, I want to just get back to the hockey just for a second. So, so the hat trick. So for the non-hockey players, what, what is the, what is the hat trick? <laughs> so a hat trick is uh, when a player scores three goals in a game. So there's two kinds of hat tricks. Like, you know, you could score three goals in a game, but in between your three goals, somebody else scores. I mean, you still get, they still consider it a hat trick, but they, there's a natural hat trick when you actually score three goals consecutively in a row, which is pretty rare. It's pretty rare, but it does happen. So you have your, your natural hat trick and your hat tricks, three goals in a game. Gotcha. How how common is that? Did you ever have one of those? And was that, is that common? I had one in my career. I had one. Um, So not, overly common i mean you mean the high-end goal scorers they score more obviously but uh yeah but not not super common not super common and was that game uh, was that a, a pro game or back in the early days uh yeah no pro game yeah oh it was I, I had i had i had several in college but i had one playing in the nhl when i was with vancouver actually playing against calgary yeah Oh, there you go. All right. Perfect. Are you more, uh, as far as yourself, are you kind of more of a night owl or a morning person? Hmm, I'd say probably, <laughs> probably neither. <laughs> neither. I, I love my sleep. I love going to bed early. There you I, go. Yeah. Uh, but again, if, if I got to be on the water, no problem getting up. Yeah. So let's, we'll go with a morning person. Yeah. So the morning person. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. I was just thinking about this. I was hearing some, you know, Michael Jordan, somebody was talking about him is that he, I think it was Steve Kerr, but they were saying on a podcast, they're like, you know, if the guy would have slept, imagine how great he would have been. I guess Jordan didn't sleep at all. I guess he was wow. kind of up all night. So, which is amazing, right? Imagine, you know, Jordan like didn't Jeez. really sleep, right? Or had, he had some weird hours of sleep, but uh, good. So, um, so we got the hat trick uh, one checked off the box. What um, we mentioned, you know, an old player. What What is the, you know, and you mentioned Gretzky. Um, Mario Lemieux, I mean, who is the next Gretzky after Gretzky? Who, who's number two? Man, like Lemieux is right up there for sure. Yeah, Lemieux, um, yeah. For guys that I played against. Like if you talk to like hockey historians, the debate, you know, Bobby Orr, uh, Gordy Howe, those guys are always in the, in the top right. three, four, um, it's funny. You go from generation to generation. You talk to my dad, my dad's like, no, Bobby Orr hands down. Uh, it's the best player ever, you know? Um, but I was lucky enough to play Like Lemieux was just, you know, he's a big six foot five, but the finesse oh, right. he had huge. and huge man, but God. yeah, he, yeah. The Pittsburgh, good, right? Was he? What, yeah, what was he was his in Pittsburgh. Yeah. 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 He was in Pittsburgh, but you know, in, in today's game, I mean, I think there's a guy playing now that could alter all of this and, He's actually playing in Edmonton, and his name's Connor McDavid, and uh, he is—he's uh, a freak of nature. He is. Oh, really? Uh, big guy? Not big, but how fast he is! I mean, the game is fast, but he has another level of fast, and just how he can operate and make decisions at such a high level. Like he's leading the scoring race right now by twenty-eight points, with his, which is unheard of. Like it's—he's he, a—he's a generational player. Gotcha. When are the uh, when do the playoffs? Give us that rundown. When does the hockey playoffs start? Yeah, hockey playoffs uh, they usually start mid-April. Uh, yeah, regular mid-April. season kind of goes until the end of the first week, 
and then and then playoffs start that kind of that second week of oh April. perfect this is it yeah. this is good so we're going to be by the time yeah this is going live it's going to be right in the playoffs who do you do you have a team like a favorite do you, are you sticking with do you know hockey well still yeah know, yeah i still follow it like uh i think that the east has a lot more depth than the west this year um out west like colorado won it last year and they had a bit of a slow start this year but they're getting healthy i think they're probably a dangerous team out out west i also like dallas out west they, they've had a good year they got good goaltending but out east i mean there can be like literally five teams that can win it but i'm i'm gonna say boston's having a year that that uh, they could set the all-time mark for the most points in the season like they're oh really wow they're, yeah their their year's been unbelievable so i'd have to say you know boston's probably gets the nod out in the east yeah, Boston. Who is the um I'm drawing a blank. Who is the amazing goaltender? I think it was Colorado back in the day. Who was the Well, so they had a goalie there. Uh I mean there's been a lot, but Patrick Waugh played. Yeah, Waugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came, yeah, yeah, he came from of. came from Montreal. But that's you know, right. goaltenders, Dominic Hasek is always a guy that's mentioned as one of the best ever. Marty Broder, Roberto Luongo. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Good gotcha. buddy of mine, Marty Turco. He's a he was an all star a few times, played in Dallas. Uh-huh. There you go. Perfect. What is your, so we talked a little bit about the trip. So, but if, if you had one trip, you can plan for fishing, you know, in the future that you haven't done yet. What, what is that one big one other than we'll take out chili, you know? And- yeah. Well, the chili one's going to be cool. Um, you know, a, a, a couple, there's this lodge I've been looking at in the Amazon, which looks really cool. Like, uh, fly fishing It's called Ken Jama lodge. Uh, I've been eyeballing that for a long time. So I, I might have to reach out to them at some point. But I would like to do another tarpon trip at some point. I know there's some huge, huge tarpon like in, in uh, like uh, Nicaragua, um, you know, down in in, uh, in Central America, some countries there. So I, another tarpon trip would be is on the list at some point for sure. Perfect. Nice, Brandon. Well, I think, uh, you know, again, I could, I could keep you here all night or all day, but, uh, you know, I think I'll respect your time here and, and, and roll out of here. Um, yeah, I appreciate, you know, everything you're doing out there, you know, with the fly fishing or with the show, uh, the fishing show. I mean, it's, it's awesome. You're doing a great job and, uh, we'll definitely be keeping up with you on all that and keep up the great work. Well, thanks Dave. Yeah. It was fun chatting with you. Uh, brought it back a lot of good memories and, uh, yeah, I, I, I loved chatting, fishing and, in my past career hockey. So uh, yeah, I appreciate the time as well. Awesome, man. All right, well, appreciate it. We'll, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, man. Take care, Dave. So there it is. Wetflyswing.com slash 432. Four, three, two. Want a quick uh, remind you before we head out of here today, Northern Lights Lodge, Curtis Skeed and the crew, they have an amazing place. Uh, this is wilderness fishing with the lodge, uh, big fish, lots of fish. Uh, they've even got stream with bull tribe. We've talked a lot about this, but Northern Lights Lodge right now, wetflyswing.com slash trips. If you're interested in heading up on this trip, uh, I will follow up with you um, by email maybe by phone. If you uh, add your information there, we'll let you know if we have some slots available uh, right now. Quick listener shout out before we get out of here. Jonathan Cervellian. Jonathan has been a long uh, supporter of this podcast. Always good to see Jonathan's name out there. Uh, Giving him a shout out on Instagram at, I'm not even going to be able to say this. I don't think so. I am not quite sure. Dash, dash, shun, DMX. I'm just going to spell it out. Uh, 
at D-A-C-H-S-U-N-D-B-M-X. Does that make sense? Jonathan, shout out to you, brother. He, uh, he let me know that uh, Shandy, we should be getting Shandy on the podcast. So I am going to work on that. Shandy, if you're out there, give me a heads up. And uh, I'm going to put this together uh, for Jonathan and, and you. And we're going to get an episode together. Here. So I want to uh, say thank you, Jonathan, for giving the uh, checking in with me. And I uh, appreciate you for supporting the podcast. If you want to check in with me anytime, Dave at Wet Fly Swing or on social, I'd love to hear from you if you have time. What is going on? What is going on? We've talked about what we have coming next. Uh, we are pumping it out, pumping out the content uh, on almost on a daily basis now. I hope you're enjoying it. Um, and I hope to connect with you uh, on the next one. I'm just going to take a quick peek because I already forgot what we have next. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got a bonus one for you. A Friday episode. We don't do Friday episodes every week. But uh, but this one is going to be one you got to stay tuned for. So if you don't know Jeff Liske... Um, now is the time we've got the great lakes dude podcast episode number one going live tomorrow. This is it. Jeff's going to do a cool intro on the great lakes. Uh, he has made his life around the great lakes fishing every, uh, every part of him. And he does a quick summary, a nice short episode, but it's a summary of the great lakes and all the resources and fishing opportunities. This is awesome. Episode number one of the great lakes dude podcast. I'm excited for this because this is going to get Jeff on this podcast more often as the host. I'm not going to be there at all. This is Jeff's deal. Um, just like uh, Phil in the littoral zone, this is our second uh, big podcast super guru who is going on his own. And I'm excited to uh, hear this one tomorrow. All right. We got some good stuff going. If you have an idea for a potential podcast uh, series or season or guest, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. We've got some more stuff coming here. Um, we're talking, I'm actually going to be thinking fly tying. I'm, I'm really, I'm talking to somebody right now about fly tying. If you're listening, you know who I, who I'm talking about. Um, if we can put this together, it's going to be awesome. I don't quite know what the idea is going to be. If you have an idea of how we could do a cool podcast about, uh, fly tying, um, that would be a good, uh, something to hear from. So I'm gonna leave it at that for tonight. I'm going to get out of here and get rolling because uh, I need to get some rest. I'm going to get some rest tonight. I'm going to get some sleep and, uh, and I'm just going to go for it. So hope you are having a good evening, good morning, or good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. And I appreciate you for stopping in today and checking out the podcast and for, uh, and for supporting and sharing. If you had a chance, talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the wet fly swing fly fishing show for notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.